God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He says, Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Hey everyone, it's good to be with you. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Brad Herndon and normally on the weekend I would be gathering with our Edina congregation who I have been missing so deeply in this season. But today I'm so thankful that right now we are not one church in four locations, but we're actually one church in thousands of locations because wherever you are, there is the church. Wherever you are, God is there. And so over the past few weeks, we've been in a series called upside down. We've been reading through the book of Acts, and Pastor Dale has been showing us how the early church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts tells us, turn the world upside down as they share the good news of the gospel. And Pastor Dale thought that this weekend would be a good weekend just to, just to pause that series for one weekend, because sometimes we're the ones who find ourselves turned upside down by the world. And that's the kind of season that we've been in, this season of chaos when our lives have been turned upside down and when they've been disrupted by what's happening around us. And when that happens, when we find ourselves in chaos, I think there's no better place for us to turn than to the book of Psalms. Because the book of, the, the book of Psalms, one of the things that I love about the Psalms is that when we find ourselves feeling things that we just can't quite put words to, or when we're trying to make sense of the things that are happening around us, but we don't know how, or when we're wondering where God is, or if we're wondering how do we even approach him in the midst of whatever it is that we're feeling, the Psalms are our guide. The Psalms are our trusted companion. In fact, the Psalms, the Psalms this hymn book of Israel, they of course offer praise to God, but they offer make pleas before God, and they even protest God. Sometimes they do all of these things all within the same breath. And the Psalms show us how we can approach God with with, with raw honesty and raw faith, the kind of honesty and faith that we need in the season that we've been through and the season that we're going through right now. And so if you have a Bible, I encourage you, go ahead and grab it, grab one around you, turn it on, and I want you to flip open 
uh, to Psalm 46. If you're watching on our new online platform from our website, you can, you can click on the Bible tab that's right underneath that chat window right there, and you can go to Psalm 46. Now, Psalm 46, we could subtitle it, Who is God in the Chaos? Who is God in the Chaos? And just a few moments ago, we heard the opening verses of Psalm 46. We heard God, that we heard this declaration by the psalmist saying that God is our strength and our help. Therefore, we will not fear. We heard this, this chaos that was ensuing around the nation of Israel, this, this imagery of natural disasters and mountains falling into the sea and nations in an uproar. We heard about the holy city where God himself resided, and we heard about God being a warrior. And then in the midst of all of these verses, there's one verse that stands out, that stands apart from all the rest, because it's the one verse in these 11 verses in Psalm 46 that's in quotation marks. Because it's the only verse that's spoken by God himself in this psalm. And because of it, I think it's a verse that anchors this psalm and has the opportunity to, to anchor us too. And the verse is this one, Psalm 46.10. It says, so be still and know that I am God. Now, ever since we started into this season almost two months ago, God has put this verse on my heart. And I think it's a verse that he wants to comfort us in, but also a verse that he wants to challenge us in. And the reason why I think he wants to challenge us in it is because, now I've heard this verse countless times, and maybe you have even too, because it's the kind of verse that shows up whenever we go through tragedy, whenever we go through difficulty. It's a verse that we hear. But it wasn't until this season when I began to hear this verse and the two parts that it has, that we need to be still. And then also this invitation to know that he is God. And these aren't the same things. Being still is not the same thing as knowing that he is God. And so this weekend is an opportunity for you to ask yourself, how are you at these two, how are you doing at these two things? How are you doing at being still? In the midst of the chaos that you've been through, in the midst of the way that your life has been disrupted over the past eight weeks, how are you doing it, knowing that he is God? And so that's where we're going to be heading today. And just to take a little bit of, of this, um, the, to be still, like to talk about how that's been going for us. If there's anything that should be easy for us in this season, I would think that it would be to be still, right? I mean, for the past two months, we've pretty much had stillness forced upon us. You know, through recommendations and guidelines and executive orders, we've been encouraged to stay at home and to be safe at home. In fact, um, uh, the, drive, the cars in our driveways largely sit unmoved, and you're probably not filling up your gas tank as much as you have before this season. The travel plans have been canceled, and highways that were once congested with traffic at all hours of the day are now open roads, baseballs, soccer fields that would normally at this time of year be filled with players and teams and fans sit empty. In fact, seismologists, who are the group of scientists who study the activity and the motion, the noise of the earth, reported this past month that some of the world's largest cities, most active and loud and busiest cities, they've reported that they are actually up to 50% quieter than normal. And so by all accounts, we're being more still than ever. But are we? You see, just for myself for a second, as I, thought, as I think about being still, when all this happened and we were encouraged to be at home, just truth be told, I, I had no problem with that. I'm an introvert. I was glad to not have to have a reason to leave the house, to be able to wear comfortable clothes for a little bit longer, to some days not even set my alarm clock. 
But after a week or so of this, I one day, one afternoon, I found myself at Home Depot with a cart full of lumber. And I was ready to make my boys a couple of loft beds. Now, I guarantee you, that was not on the agenda when I woke up that morning. And so I did that. I built those beds for them. And then a few days later, I was digging through our hall closet, and I I found one of these things. And do you know what these things are? In fact, if you actually know the name of what this household device is, I, I encourage you, just tell the people in the room that you're watching with what the name of this device is. Or if you're watching online or on Facebook, type the name in the chat window and just impress all those people what the name of this thing is. I just called it that, that fuzz remover thing that we have in our house. But it actually has a name. The name of it is a pill remover. Pill is that fuzz that gathers on our suit jackets and our sweaters. And so I used it to kind of clean up a few of my sweaters. And then I remembered, you know what? I've seen a lot of this fuzz and those balls of fuzz on our sofas. So I went into our living room and I started cleaning our sofas up a little bit. And then I went on from one sofa to the other sofa. And then I went on both sides of the cushions. And then I went down in the basement and I started cleaning all the pills, all the fuzz off of all of the furniture and upholstery in our house. And after the better part of an hour of doing this, my wife walked in on me and she gave me one of those looks, one of those like, who are you and what did you do with my husband kind of looks. Now, I guarantee you, I wasn't doing this because I'm some stellar husband and I certainly wasn't doing this because I'm an ambitious cleaner. My wife would definitely tell you that's not the case. I was doing this because I have trouble being still. And that was revealed to me just a few days into this season of being still, when stillness should come easy to us. What about you? How do you deal with stillness? My hunch is, for many of us, uh, that this, is, this stillness thing has kind of been more of a struggle than we realized. You see, our lives have been so filled with activity, so filled with commitments and meetings and busyness and hurriness for so long, for so, with so much noise and so much work, that we've learned that we really don't know how to cope very well without all of that activity in our lives. We don't know how to cope with that stillness that we're being invited into. In fact, speaking of that stillness in our lives, the kind of stillness that God is inviting us to, to be still, is not just an invitation to physical stillness. In fact, behind all of that physical unrest, for each of us is a more deeper, a more internal unrest. See, the kind of stillness that God is inviting us to in this psalm is the stillness of our soul. It's the stillness of our spirit. It's the kind of stillness where you can, you can wait without worrying, where you can rest without feeling guilty about it, where you can slow down and, and you can step back without, without striving in the way that you used to. And that's the kind of stillness that God invites us to. And that's hard. I mean, maybe even as, our say, as I'm saying that, you're thinking to yourself, you know what, that, that sounds great. I would love to rest and not feel guilty about it or not think about all the things that I need to do or not worry about what I don't have control over. Uh, but is that even possible? I mean, just think about this season that we're in. You know, this is, we've been frantically trying to identify and adopt new schedules and new routines. For many of us, we're searching for new forms of income after we've lost some of that income. For many, we're parenting while we're teaching, while we're also working all simultaneously. For many, work has not decreased in this season. It's increased. And so you hear God's invitation to be still in a chaotic season, and you think to yourself, maybe, that's not even possible. But I think it is. 
In fact, I think this invitation to be still isn't just God's invitation to us. I think it's his command to us. And, and you wonder, why is that? Why would God command us to be still? And here's why. And if there's one thing that I want to impress upon us, one thing that I think God wants us to hear this weekend, one big idea to everything about Psalm 46, it's this right here. That stillness is how we know God in the chaos. That stillness is how we know God in the chaos. In fact, I'm convinced that there are facets of God that we can't even experience without being still. And now, as, even as I say that, you may wonder to yourself, hey, hey, hold on, hold on. That sounds, that sounds just a little bit too passive, doesn't it? Because isn't our relationship with God about, about movement? Isn't our relationship with God about following Jesus, about taking steps forward, about picking up our cross and following him, about serving the least of these? Isn't, isn't, doesn't God meet us in our movement? And if you're thinking that, you're absolutely right. There's, there's, there's complete truth to what you're saying, that God meets us in our movement. But that's not the only place he meets us. In fact, listen to how one author, Mark Buchanan, in his book, The Rest of God, listen to how he explains this to us. He says, often God meets us along the way as we go. He waits to see who will step out before he sidles up, woos us over, intercepts, and redirects. But other facets of God we discover only through stillness. Only Mary, Martha's sister, sitting wide-eyed and open-eared, truly hosts Christ in her home. Only those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. Only those who are quiet and watchful find God's mercy that is new every morning. He makes me lie down, Psalm 23 says. And if we don't choose to lie down, God sometimes makes us. And when I read that, and when I hear the psalmist's invitation, God's invitation in verse 10 to be still and know that I am God, I wonder if this season of chaos that we find ourselves in is God's invitation, maybe even his command, maybe even he is making you and me lie down and be still. And why is that? Because God wants us to know that it's in stillness that we know God in the chaos. And so what I want to do is spend the remainder of this time, and I just want to talk about a few ways, four things that, four kind of experiential outcomes, four things that God wants us to know about him that we wouldn't know, or at least we wouldn't know as deeply or experience as richly without being still. And so the first thing is this, that in stillness, we know God as the Almighty. Now I'm going to come back to this word here in just a second. I want to focus on this one, that we know God as the Almighty, that we know God as all-powerful, that we know that God is the Lord of heaven's armies, that we know that God is in control. And the first time uh, that word shows up, it shows up in a refrain, this kind of chorus that Psalm 46 keeps coming back to. And it, it, it shows up right, on, right after the opening verses where we hear this imagery of all of these natural kind of disasters, of the mountains falling into the heart of the sea and the, the kingdoms, the nations of the earth are in an uproar. And we have this picture of the powers of this world that are no longer powerful. The powers of this world being thrown out of control. And it makes me think about the season that we've been in and how the powers of our world have been thrown out of control themselves, how those powers aren't as powerful as we once thought they were. Just, just think about the things that have been turned upside down, the powers like the economy or our, our governments or even hospitals and schools and corporations, all of these forces and powers within our society and our world 
that are trying to keep up and are trying to stay on top of these things, but, but just aren't able to. And when that happens, when, when something happens that reveals the powers of this world aren't nearly as in control as we like to think they are, that's when we need this chorus. That's when we need to re- this refrain to remember the Lord Almighty. That when powers are thrown out of control, the Lord is in control. The Lord is still powerful. The Lord is still on his throne. And friends, I just want to ask you this weekend, do you know that God is almighty? Do you know that God is all-powerful and in control. But if I can ask a deeper question, a more personal question, and this is where we go back to that small word, as. Do you know the Lord as Almighty? You see, it's one thing to know that the Lord is Almighty, but it's an entirely different thing to know the Lord as Almighty. See, to know the Lord is Almighty, well, that's, that's information. But to know the Lord as Almighty, that's personal. That's when we take this truth and this information and we root it deep into our soul. And that's what stillness offers us. Stillness is kind of the key that unlocks that information and, and, and personalizes it and plants it deep within our soul and makes it personal for us. In fact, I think that every single season that we go through, every situation, especially the difficult ones that we go through, is a season in which God is wanting to take the things that we know he is and he wants us to know him as those things. In fact, so many times when I get the privilege of being able to talk to and pray with someone in our church body who's just been going through difficulty, who's just experienced some sort of tragedy and is trying to make sense of life and is, uh, is asking all sorts of questions, and when I get to pray with that person, often what I will pray for them is I will say, Lord, will you take all of the things that this person knows about you? Will you take the things that they've said about you, the things that they've sung about you, the things that they've told others about you, and would you make them personal to this person now? Would you help them to know that everything they've ever believed about you is absolutely true? Would you plant that deep in their soul? And so I wonder for you, in this season, in this chaos, what is it that that you've known about God that God wants to make personal? Maybe you've known that God is, is a father, but this week God wants you to know him as a father. Maybe you've known that God is a comfort or God is a provider, But God wants you to know him as a comfort and as a provider. That God wants you to know him as almighty. And that happens when we still ourselves and surrender ourselves to his power. And so not only do we know in stillness God as all-powerful, almighty, but also in stillness we know that God is with us. God is with us. You know, if there's anything that I feel like we may miss maybe more than anything in this whole season, I think for many of us, we miss being with other people, right? I think that's why a lot of us kind of, there was a sigh of relief and a sigh of joy this week when we heard the governor say that as long as we can safely do so, we can gather in groups up to 10 people because that was a game changer for us. Because I've been so impressed with how we've been able to stay connected virtually over the past two months, with how much of our lives we've actually been able to replicate online in virtual ways. That has just blown me away. But what I've been convinced of is that there's absolutely no way for us to replicate the fullness of our physical presence with another person virtually. There's just, there's just no way that, that virtually that you can fully experience the warmth of a hug if you're not with that person. That you can't, you can't sense the emotion that's behind someone's eyes when you're not there with them to be able to look into their eyes. That you can't feel the way the energy in a room will, will change when someone walks into it unless you're standing in that room with the other people to be able 
to experience that. We can't experience the fullness of our presence with one another when we're not physically with those other people. And that's why I am so grateful that God is not virtually with us, that God is physically present with us right now, wherever you are, that God is with you. In fact, early on in the season, Pastor Dale offered us this encouragement. He says, I'm so glad that God has not socially distanced himself from us that he is with us. One of the Psalms says, where can I flee from your presence? Wherever I go, you are there. And, and, and that's important. We need to remember that because whenever we experience difficulty, so often the first question that we ask is, where are you, God? Isn't it? Isn't that kind of what quickly comes to the top of our heart, comes out of our lips when we go through difficulty? We say, where are you, God? In fact, if you've ever found yourself feeling that and asking that question, that's one of the questions that shows up more than any other in the book of Psalms. And that might be surprising for you that in this book of praise, one of the questions, those raw and honest questions that we hear time and time again is, where are you, God? In Psalm 22, it says, God, why have you hidden yourself from me? Now, that was Psalm 13, but in Psalm 22, uh, uh, the psalmist says, God, why do you stand so far off? Why am I all alone in this? Something that Jesus himself actually says and prays from the cross. And so if you've ever felt like God is absent, if you've ever felt like God was anything but with you, you're in good company. In fact, that's why I love the psalms. In fact, I've heard it said that there is no emotion that you or I can experience in our life that doesn't show up in the book of Psalms, that doesn't show us how to understand and and process that emotion. God, hear this church, God never dismisses our emotions from our relationship with him. He knows how important that is to our relationship with him, but God always insists that we hold our emotions up against what is true and that we let our experience and our knowledge be shaped by what is true. And that's why I think this truth that God is with us rings so loud and so clear across this psalm. It's as if the psalmist on behalf of the nation of Israel is is proclaiming and saying to themselves, you know what, no matter what it feels like, no matter what the situation is, no matter how dire and how confusing, no matter how much things are out of control, no matter how tragic it is, I will believe this. I will shout this to my soul. I will pound it into myself that God is with us. And so I wonder for you and for me, as we go through chaos, as we go through the months to come, as we go through the things that come our way, what would it look like if when we find ourselves feeling and asking, God, where are you? Which is an okay question to ask. If we reminded ourselves too and pounded that truth into our heart and held on to that tightly, that the Lord is with us. See, and if you're wondering, well, how do, how do we really experience that God is with us? How does that happen? And that's where we show, that shows up in number three here, that in stillness, we know that God is our refuge and our fortress. That God is our refuge and our fortress. And I know a little bit about forts because when I was a kid, I actually, I actually would like to believe that I earned myself an advanced degree in building forts. And in fact, now that I'm a parent and a dad and I have four kids of my own, I love seeing them build forts. We live at the end of a cul-de-sac. And so in these Minnesota winters, uh, we're always at the end of the street when the snow plows come, rooting for them to put all the snow in our front yard because it's only a matter of time until we turn that pile of snow into a snow, snowball, uh, snow fort with a giant snowball fight ensuing. And now that the snow is finally melted and the kids are, are home all day, Um, It's not uncommon for me to walk into our living room and see every couch cushion 
freshly cleaned couch cushions with my pill remover, every couch cushion and, and every stool from the kitchen and every chair and every blanket and every broomstick and yardstick and thing that they can use piled into the living room into this massive elaborate fort. Maybe you've seen this too with your own kids. And then I hear these giggles from a couple kids in the fort because I know that somewhere inside of that fort they're hiding. Because that's what forts do for us. They give us a place to hide. Refuges give us a a place to retreat to. It's where we experience rest. It's where we experience healing. It's where we experience God's presence. It's where we experience God's protection. And you wonder, well, protection from what, especially in a season of chaos like the one that we've been in? Well, I think in the refuge of God, he protects us from all sorts of things. But I think so many of these things really boil down to one thing. You take all of the worry and all of the anxiety that we felt over a number of things, and I think all of those things kind of boil down to God protecting us from fear. And the one thing that we fear more than anything is the unknown. And so we feared the unknown nature of this disease. We feared the unknown timeline of what's ahead of us. We feared the unknown of what will our lives and what will our world look like as we start to kind of hopefully come back to a little bit more of normal. We fear the unknown possibility that we may even be back in this situation in the months or in the years to come. We fear the unknown. And that's why I love one commentator's uh, description of what it means that God is our refuge. He says that a refuge is where the fearful go to become fearless because they are anchored in the safe harbor of God's protection. It's where the fearful go to become fearless because they are anchored in the safe harbor of God's protection. And so if you've found yourself shaken with fear in this season, it begs the question, what have you made your refuge? What have you made your fortress? Because our tendency is that we make our refuge and fortress other things. Maybe you've made your refuge and your fortress your 401k plan. Maybe you've made your fortress and your refuge government and political leaders and their plans. Maybe you've made your fortress and your refuge yourself and your own ability to try to stay in control of the things that are happening around you. And if we make, hear this, if we make our refuge anything but the Lord, then we will be disappointed and we will be crushed and we will face crisis because none of those things cannot be shaken. None of those things compares to hiding ourselves underneath the shelter of God's wing because that's where we experience his presence. And what allows us to stay safely and confidently within the refuge of his protection is this right here, and it's number four. That in stillness, we know that God is fighting for us. See, not only is God with us in that refuge and in that fortress, but God is out there fighting for us. You see, there's this verse, uh, verse 9, uh, or verse 9, I believe it is, um, where God talks about making wars cease, that he breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the shields. And then in verse 10, right on the heels of all of this warfare imagery of God being this warrior, it says that's when this verse comes in to be still and know that I am God. And it's as if in that moment, God isn't just saying this to the nation of Israel to calm them in their chaos. God is pronouncing this, announcing it to the enemies of Israel 
to let them know the, the, the causes of Israel's chaos, to let them know that he is the Lord. You see, all around the nation of Israel, there were nations who were warring with each other. And they were constantly threatening the security of Israel. And so, and so God is, it's as if God is saying in this verse 10, it's as if he's saying to these nations, hey, stop, stop all your fighting. Stop trying to assert your strength. Stop Stop all of this and be still and accept that I am God, that there is one God and I am him and I am in charge. And it was God's way also of telling his people that I am fighting for you. You see in those opening verses of this psalm, when we hear that dramatic metaphorical imagery of the landscapes of the earth falling apart, you see this abundance of imagery of the sea. You see the mountains falling into the heart of the sea. We see the seas roaring and surging and, and foaming, the psalmist tells us. And what's worth noting is that in the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms, the seas were often a metaphor for the nations of the earth, for the enemies of Israel. And so here, when God is, is telling the nations to be still, he's calming the seas. And see, for Israel, their seas, their, their enemies, their, their, their storms were the other nations of the earth. For us, our storms might be something else. But what I do know is that this isn't the only time in Scripture where God calms the storm, is it? You see, centuries later, after this has been written for the nation of Israel, Jesus is now walking the earth, and he's proclaiming in Mark 4, he's been proclaiming that the kingdom of God is near and, and, and revealing that he himself is God. And that's kind of a hard thing to believe. And so one night, Mark tells us that Jesus and his 12 disciples are in a boat. And where are they? They're on a sea. They're on the Sea of Galilee. And in the middle of the night, Mark tells us that a furious storm comes about and threatens the safety of the disciples. And all of a sudden, the waves, the water, Mark tells us, are breaking over the sides of the boat. And the disciples, well, of course, they're frantic. And so they run and they find Jesus asleep in the side of the boat. And they say to them, they say to Jesus, teacher, which is interesting because they haven't quite yet accepted that Jesus is more than a teacher. They haven't come to know him as God. They say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? They're saying, where are you? And Mark tells us that Jesus got up and he went to the side of the boat and he said into the storm, this right here. He says, quiet, be still. Quiet, be still. And then Mark tells us that, that the winds calmed and the waters calmed and the disciples said to one another, who is this? that even the wind and the waves, the sea, obeys him. It's as if Mark was telling us the disciples in their stillness was beginning to know that Jesus was God. See, church, we're in a season of storms right now. We've been through a big one, and it's not over. In fact, in the midst of this big storm, there have been other storms that maybe you've been encountering in your life, and there are going to be storms to come, even. And I wonder what those storms might be where you need to know that Jesus is God. And you need to know that he can calm the wind and the waves. And sometimes Jesus calms the storms around us. Sometimes he calms the storms in us. But he invites us, and he's inviting you and me today to be still, no matter what storm, no matter what chaos we may find ourselves in. And when we're still, that's when we know that he is the Almighty. That's when we know him as the Almighty. That's when we know that God is with us, that he's with you. 
that's when you know that he is a fortress and a refuge for you. And that's when you know that God is fighting for you. And so today, can you hear that invitation? Even, can you hear that command? Because, because he is all of those things, then you and I can be still. Now, there's one other word in this psalm that shows up in some of your translations, and it shows up kind of over, over off to the side, and it's three times after each stanza in the psalm, and it's this word right here. It's the word selah. Now, this is a Hebrew word, and it's kind of a hard word to, to translate, but it was a musical expression that essentially said to take a moment. It was an instruction for the nation of Israel as they worshiped with this song to take a moment and to pause and to reflect and to take a moment before they moved on to what was next to consider what it was that they had heard and to consider what it was that God was telling them. And right now, I want to give us an opportunity to do just that, an opportunity to Selah. And before we move on into the rest of our service, our worship team is going to come up and is going to play a song over us. And as they do this, who is God inviting you to know him to be? What is God saying to you? How is he inviting you to be still? And would you hear that invitation? And would you hold on to it? And then after they're done, we're going to come back together and we're going to finish our service together.
Church, one thing that I know is that every single one of us is going through some form of chaos. And your chaos and my chaos and the other person's chaos may all be different from one another. Yours may be the chaos of your living room or there may be some form of chaos that's gonna happen this week that you and I don't even know about. But one thing I do know is that in the midst of whatever chaos, whatever storm and disruption we face, that God is inviting us to be still and to know that he is God. And I'm praying for you and I and for our church and our world to hear that invitation and to take him up on it. Next weekend, Pastor Dale is going to be back as we continue our series upside down. It was so good to be with you and to worship with you. Be blessed.